And I want to call this the eighth day. I was going to call it open heaven, but that's the same thing. <laughs> but I want to talk about the eighth day because as we got about halfway through the series, the Lord began to deal with me again about the number eight. You know, we did a little series on that a couple years ago. But I want, I want to talk about that number eight one more time and, and close the, this, these five messages today about the eighth day. We, we've been really focused on Nehemiah chapter 8. That was your homework five weeks ago, so you should be through it by now. <clears throat> About a verse a day would have done it, okay? Uh, and so let's look at part of the story one more time because this, this is where God led us during tabernacles. Now all the people gathered together as one man, as one man in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses probably the book of Deuteronomy, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. How many know there's a difference between hearing and hearing with understanding? On the first day of the seventh month, that's the month that we're in, then he read from it in the open square that in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for, for that purpose, and all those guys stood with him. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. First mention of a pulpit, so pulpits are biblical. When he opened it, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's where that comes from. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen. That's biblical. Well, we get a lot from Nehemiah chapter 8. While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. A lot going on there, right? So all those guys helped the people. See, it's not enough to read it. You've got to understand it. To understand the law, and the people stood in their place. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded. By the way, they stood there for six hours. Jesus, help us. So they found what, what God had commanded Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. That's tabernacles. They discovered this. And that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the mountain. And, and, and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the mountain, bring olive branches and the branches of all oil trees and myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of leafy trees to make booze. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booze, each one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or in the courts of the house of God, wherever they could put up a booth and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day the children of Israel had not done so and there was very great gladness. Amen. If I made you live in a tent for a week, how glad would you be? Also, day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. So six hours a day, seven days. And they kept the feast seven days. But here, here's where I said all that to say this. And on the eighth 
eighth day. I thought there was a seven days in a week. On the eighth day, there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. Eighth day. There's no mention of an eighth day until here. Why is there an eighth day? It begins on a Sabbath, which is a Saturday, goes through the whole week. It's over on Friday. But on the eighth day, they have a special celebration. Now, that doesn't make sense because seven is the number of completion. God created the earth, or created created the earth in how many days? Seven days. Everything was created. After every day, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. Right? When he created man, he says, it is very good. Yeah. And then when he took Eve out of Adam, Adam said, mmm, baby. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Read Genesis somewhere. Though. He had an old baby moment. Well, all he had before that was counting and naming animals, you know, so... She could have been ugly, and he'd be like, yeah. (laughs) Y'all aren't praying for me. Y'all aren't praying for me. So so what is number eight? Well, think of it this way. What was the eighth day for Adam? What was the seventh day for Adam? He was created on the sixth day. Adam rests on the seventh day. Adam does nothing on the seventh day. God had given him his job description, but God, but Adam's like, let's go to work. And he said, no, 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 no. You don't begin with work. You begin with rest. That's why Sunday is the first day of the week. That's why you need to be in church on Sunday. Not to rest from where you've been, but to rest for where you're going. So Adam is resting on his first day of life, and he begins work on the eighth day. So when God says it is good as if it is finished, he doesn't mean it's over, I'm done. He's saying what I did has been completed only to start something new. After everything's created, it's not like everything just, we're done. No, something new starts on the eighth day. So after seven days of living in booze, they come out of the booze, and God says, now, after all you've been through for the last seven days, I've spoke to you, I've blessed you, I've lived with you, I've walked with you, I've worked with you, and now on the eighth day, we're going to start something new. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. It takes seven days to complete something, but listen, the number seven is an end only to start something again. Does that make sense? On the eighth day. How many days did they march around Jericho? Seven days. Seven days they marched around Jericho, but on the eighth day they were in the city with all the spoils. Naaman dipped in the Jordan seven times, but on the eighth time, after he dipped the seventh time, 
He was a new man, completely healed of his leprosy. He started the rest of his life a healed man on the eighth day. Oh, come on. David was the eighth son. The eighth son. David was the mistake out in the field. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You read Jewish tradition? I've told you this before, that, that, that David, you know, Jesse thought David might have been, uh, Jesse wasn't so sure it, it was his. Now, now, it was, but according to Jewish tradition, he suspected his wife had, uh, you know, he had a lot of servant girls, and anyway, and, and she, never mind, it's a long story. But not only, you know, is he the mistake in the field, but being the eighth son, now each son gets a portion of the inheritance. The first son gets a double portion of the inheritance. But how many know if, if they questioned, questioned his legitimacy, and, and by the way, if you're out in the field taking care of the sheep, that's the lowest job in the household. Usually a servant gets that job. A young man just starting out is the one sent out in the field. But there he is, a son of Jesse out in the field. Sometimes God will put us where we don't think we belong. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we say, God, I I know you called me to higher things than this. Wow. But while he's in the field, he's penning songs and he's praising God and he's practicing. (laughs) He was born to lead hundreds of thousands of people and he's sitting there leading sheep. But how many know when we start small, if you're faithful over the little things, his, he was forgotten out there. And he literally was forgotten because he had his seven sons lining up. And Samuel's, a, you know, not this one, not this one, not this one. And he gets to seven. He goes, no, none of these. And he said, do you have another son? And Jesse had to stop and think. Oh, yeah. There's. I'm not even sure he's mine, but he's out there. I guess we can bring him in. And everyone just sat around. Who knows how long it took to get him. He got on his four-wheeler and got there as quick as he could. (laughs) But sometimes the field of forgetfulness can become the field of favor. And David was a broken man. But listen, I want you to hear this. Brokenness is God's frequency. God tunes in to brokenness. When you're hurting, you're not last on the list. You go to the head of the list. Oh, y'all aren't hearing what I'm saying. We, we just feel like my, my life's messed up and I made so many mistakes and I'm so hurt and I'm so detached. I'm so disconnected. I, I, you know, we're, we sang it this morning. Where is my God? Where is my God? But I want to assure you that the more hurt you are, the higher you are on his list. Deep calls to deep. And I know how we preach that. We preach that that if you can get into the deep things of God, you can get on his frequency. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what deep also means? Deep can also mean hell. Deep means in the ground. Deep means as low as you can go. And God has a frequency called deep. 
And as low as you can get, as low as you are, as defeated as you feel, I came by to tell you today there is a frequency called deep, buried, forgotten, broken, but God's on your frequency. Give him a praise. Amen. Jesus. 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 He was alone in the field. Listen, it's frustrating to have a gift you can't use. I know what God's called me to do, but there's no opportunities. But David was just being, he wasn't forgotten in the field. He was hidden in the field. And he was protected in the field. And he was learning in the field. It was a field of failure and futility and forgottenness, but it was really a field of favor. Church, in that field, the oil found him. How many know God's given you a lot already? We could go home right now. I said the oil found him. His calling caught up with him. And while he's managing those little sheep... There's Samuel waiting, waiting with a... How many know Ruth found favor in her field? She she found, she was in a... I could preach a whole series right here. She, She was in the field just surviving. But she found her husband. She found Boaz in the field. All right? I'm preaching to young single women. Okay. Or old single women. Well, there's a lot of y'all. Listen, I guess what I'm saying is there's a time of completion coming to your life where an eighth day is about to be born. Listen, Second Chronicles. Samuel dedicated the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles on the eighth day. And did it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as, hello, did, did I lose you? You and the sheep are out there in the fields. Does that sound like the day of Pentecost? To make one sound to be heard in praising and Thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice. You know, you got to lift up your voice. It's not enough to sit there and listen. You, I heard a little girl preach the, on, on, online, just uh, probably seven, eight years old, and she said, Y'all know the difference between an umbrella and y'all know what an umbrella is? How many know what an umbrella is? Most of you don't. Okay, an umbrella. An umbrella keeps the rain off of you. And some people worship with umbrellas. No, preacher, I, you'll never, you know, I'll never fall out in the spirit. I don't believe in all that. I don't believe in all that loud shouting. We come to church with our umbrellas. Like the old man that says, if you ever see me get excited, you'll know God move. No, if we ever see you get excited, we'll know it's a miracle. 
I don't want to be the last one to get blessed. I want to move when there's just a little breeze coming in the sanctuary. I don't want to wait till there's a full-blown wind. Just give me a breeze. Just give me a breeze. But she, the, this little girl says, well, I didn't come to worship with an umbrella. I came to worship with a funnel. Out of the mouth of babes. We're, we're going to play that tape for you one of these days. I, a funnel, a funnel. She said, I came with a funnel. She said, y'all know what a funnel is? When you're young, everything's new, right? Yeah, a funnel has a big thing on the top, and it flows everything down. I like to worship with a That's why you raise your hands. By the way, will y'all quit these little funnels? How many are with me? Let me give you some other things. Did, did, did you realize that Israel left Egypt on the feast of Passover, but, the, but God fell and gave them the Ten Commandments on Mount Zion 50 days later? Does that mean anything? 50 days later. That was the first Pentecost. The Ten Commandments was, was the first Pentecost. But watch this. 50 days. I said, I thought you are preaching about the number eight. I need some mathematicians. Seven times seven is? Some of you still don't get it. You're a credit to the school system. The eighth week... Started after day 49, so the eighth day of that last seventh week would have been the 50th day. Day 50 is day 8. Woo! I'm the only one shouting glory to God. <laughs> Years later, the Holy Spirit would fall 50 days after Passover. Jesus knew that. That's why he said... Go. That's why he was with them for 40 days, the, t- the number of, of, of trial. And then he says, go to the upper room and worship and pray for 10 days, and that will be the 50th day. If they knew their scriptures, they would have been ready for the Holy Ghost to fall on the 50th day, which is day number 8. You know, these last two events, Solomon, the temple, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, did you notice that the windows were opened. I believe that there's an opening of the windows. The Bible said God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. There's an opening, windows opening. A porthole in heaven opens on day eight. Wow. Let me give you some scripture real quick. Isaiah 64 and 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. That actually happened, and I'll share it with you when. Oh, that you would rip. That word rend doesn't just mean like a little piece of paper. That word rend means to violently tear apart, even though there's resistance. It's like some of us trying to open a bag of chips.
Can you say scissors? No, that he would that he would rend the mountains. Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, verse nine. And it came to pass in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, baptized by John in the Jordan, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens. There's that rending again. And the Spirit descending upon him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I'm telling you, when the, when the windows of heaven open above you, it is a time of acceptance. It's a time of blessing. It's a time of identity. When God says, I know who you are, and I'm opening the windows of heaven, and I'm sending you a blessing. Woo! Windows opening is sign of identity that God knows who you are. Malachi 3.10, if you pay your tithes, he said, I'll open a window of heaven. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, there we are at the last days. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. Say, standing open. And a voice like a trumpet saying, come up here. There's something we need to do as believers, and that is if he comes all the way from glory, can you not go up one foot? Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Stephen is being stoned. Rocks are hitting him in the head, but he's full of the Holy Spirit. I just, I just got that. You'll get it later. Listen, he's being stoned. Stephen is having a bad day. For some of us, the definition of bad day is my hair will not cooperate. No, he's having a real bad day, but yet he's full of the Spirit. You can have a bad day, but still have a good God. You can have a bad day and still be overflowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Whew. Oh, I feel him in the house. They stoned him. And stoned, but he's, he's, he's not looking at the rocks. He's not trying to dodge the stones. He's not looking for a way out. He's not asking God for deliverance. His eye is up there. And he sees Jesus. While the rocks are hitting his head, he sees Jesus at the right hand. He sees Jesus not sitting. Jesus isn't interceding anymore. He's getting ready to welcome. Oh, you'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Jesus. Jesus. Matthew 27. Then behold, the veil of the temple. And by the way, that veil wasn't just a little thin. The veil at that time, they say, was about two feet thick. No man could rip this. It's woven and woven. Can you imagine how they made that? It's, it's two feet thick. It's like, it's like we're going to make sure nobody can get in here. And there it is. And it says, the veil of the temple. Can you imagine being the priest in there and like. Huh? How many believe that priest got saved? In a hurry. And the earth quaked and the rocks 
split. Does that sound like what I read in Isaiah 64? Oh, that you would rend the heavens. I believe Isaiah was looking for the, for the time going forward in history when Jesus would die on the cross. And as he perished, as he perished, the moment he died, the veil was rent before the resurrection, before he went to hell. Yeah, hallelujah. He rent the, and the rocks were rent. Rocks were ripped apart. Come on, church. And the earth quaked. People were raised from the dead. There were ghosts everywhere. <laughs> Say, Pastor, you believe in ghosts? Yes, Matthew 27. Yes. Ripped. And how many know it's still ripped today? It's still ripped today. Watch this. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, his last words, it is finished. And the devil's like, because he thought, because there's two Greek words for finish. Yeah. One is deonuo, and it means to accomplish thoroughly, to finish something, to be done. And the devil said, yeah, it's finished. I finished it. It's over. The devil said, I won. But that's not the word Jesus used. There's another Greek word for finish, and it's teleo. And teleo is a prophetic term that means to fulfill. Teleos is a, is a measurement of time, but it's a prophetic measurement that it was predicted, this is what's going to happen, and then it happens, teleos. It, you know, it's where we get words like telescope and telephone. The, the word now means to, to broadcast something over a period, over over a space of time or, a, or over a certain distance, to transmit over a certain distance, tele, telephone, telegraph. Either way, the message flies. Tell us doesn't mean it's over. Tell us means it's fulfilled. And when Jesus said it is over, <laughs> he didn't mean it was over. When he said it is finished, he didn't mean it was over. He meant it, everything's complete. Now I'm ready for the eighth. Something new is coming on the eighth day. Do you realize when the, when the fire fell at Pentecost, little tongues of fire came over their heads. You know why that is? We preached about that. You know why that is? Because now the temple has shifted from that building in Jerusalem. With the rent veil, it switch, It moved like that, like that pillar of fire. It moved, and it moved out of the sanctuary, and it sat on their heads. Why? Because now, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, know ye not, you are. Don't you know, Paul said? He's talking to Christians. Have you figured this out yet? You're not just saved. You're a temple. You don't belong to yourself. 
Something's living in you. And what's living in you is the Holy Spirit, and you are the temple of God. That means we're image bearers. Are we not created in the image of God? And yet people today are trying to find their identity Trying to find their identity in a superman. Trying to find their identity in their sexual preferences. Who, who are you? Oh, I'm one of 42 different genders. I just haven't made up my mind which one yet. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying you aren't going to find your identity in your sexuality. You're not going to find your identity. You're not going to find your identity in your favorite superhero. You're not going to find your identity even in your family. You're not going to find your identity in, you know, oh, I'm called to preach. I'm going to preach just like so-and-so. Not, that, that's not where your identity is. Yeah. Listen, you know why this world it, it has so much, but yet the, one of the leading causes of death is not COVID. It's suicide because people cannot they do not know you know why people are so attracted to facebook because they're trying to find an identity somebody like me somebody tell me who i am if i keep putting stuff out maybe they'll do listen that's why the world's so unhappy because they don't know who they are but i've got a newsflash you will never know you who you are until you know who the creator is once you know who made you that's when you find your identity Nobody can be happy. Even Christians, some of them haven't figured this out yet because they're saved, they're forgiven, but they never found out who they are. There are churches now that talk about finding your purpose. I believe in finding your purpose, but it's not finding what you want. It's finding what God wants for you. Your purpose is in him. So even in church, if you're just trying to find your purpose, right? There it is. It's not about finding our purpose. It's finding his purpose for us. And until you, no wonder people aren't happy. No wonder some Christians aren't happy. But they don't know who they are. How many know we're addicted to approval? Seeking image. But it's in Christ, Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. Can I, can I blow your mind here a minute? I, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still processing this. Because we always say creation was made for us. If that's true, we have no responsibility but to enjoy it. What if I said we were made for the planet to take care of it, to be responsible? Didn't he tell Adam? What did he tell Adam? I don't have time to get into it. Y'all know. He was given a responsibility, and it was over the garden. 
said, oh, God, pastor's going to vote green next time. I... There's a difference between being a steward and just a tree hugger. <laughs> Listen, I love the forest. I love God's creation as much as anyone. But for some people, for some people, creation has become a religion. They're just as lost as the person who's trying to destroy the environment. It's not about that. It's about us being in charge of the planet and not just the environment, but everything about it. God has made us, has put, listen, you have authority. He expects you to use it. Oh, I shouldn't have chased that rabbit. That's one of the biggest rabbit holes. <laughs> Jesus. Let me tell you something else. We, we aren't identified by our gifts even. Oh, I know who I am. I'm a prophet. No, that's your gift. You're not identified by your gifts even. Don't go around saying, I got eight out of nine gifts. Some people don't even know how many gifts there are. I've got 23 gifts. My God. Can you list them for me? You got, if you have that many gifts, you need to be drugged. You have a problem. You have many spirits. <laughs> oh, there's so much. Listen, can I tell you, there's a difference between power, spiritual gifts. There's a difference between power and glory. Now, watch this quote. Watch this quote. Power shows up when there's a need, but this is from Bill Johnson, but glory shows up when he is pleased. Now, I appreciate it when the, when the power shows up, but, but as someone preached Friday in, in, our, in our PPP, listen, someone preached that there's going to be people with all kinds of gifts in the last day, and Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Amen. So, so, so your identity is not in your power. It's not, listen, we love the power. We want the power. When there's a need, we want God's power. But above that, it's more important to have glory. Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, hmm, well, I do know you by name. I'm pleased with you. I'm happy with you. I'm okay with you. Watch God's pleased with Journey Life Center. The glory will rest on our services. He's coming back, not for a powerful church. He's coming back for a glorious, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He didn't say, when you all get all nine gifts, I'll come back. He said, no, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's coming back for a glorious church. There were ten virgins, but five of them ran out of oil. Don't run out of the glory. You can't run on yesterday's ashes. You've got to buy oil. Stay glorious. Wow. Revelation 4, 1 and 2. Listen. John had a vision of the last days. How many believe we're in the last days? How many believe we're in the last days? 
last hours? How many believe you might not make it home? You got to live like that. Oh, I've been serving God for 10 years. He hadn't come yet. I made the promise 2,000 years ago, but he's coming. I've been saved, what, 47 years. I still think he could come tomorrow. I said he could still come tomorrow. He, he could still come today. I, I really don't know anything in prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. Maybe there's something. I don't know. I'm not an expert in that, but, but I do know this. I'm ready. Anybody else ready? Come on, church. We need to have some rapture practice. Right? One more? I'll pay for this later. Rapture practice. One of these days you're going to go and not come back down. All right, how many are with me? It's, it's really bad seeing an old man jump. I know, I know, I know. Watch this in Revelation. Watch this. This is the last day. Say last days. Last day after, after these things, after these things, after COVID was over, I, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. How many know if he opens it, no man can close it? And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here, come up here, come up here, and I will show you things which much. Listen, you've got to go up to see. Listen, this is another whole sermon, but getting old is like climbing a mountain. The higher you go, the harder it gets. Hello? But the higher you go, the better the view. And not only that, but you could look down and see everyone coming after you. And you see some, if he keeps going up that path, that path, there's a dead end there. This one over here, he's, he's following the right way. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow the Lord. That, that almost sounds unscriptural. Follow me as I follow the Lord. Because I'm ahead of you. I've climbed that mountain. I'm an old guy. Said the old man in the back. Confirmation. Elder Larry. I can look back and I, I can see paths you're coming up. That'll be a dead end. He's going to have to go back, do his first works over, and come up this way. You know what else I can see? I can see my trail. And I see all my mistakes and I see the right trails and the wrong trails. And, but not only that, the higher you go, oh, the view. I feel like I'm at a place in my life, church. The view is amazing up here. Whew. Come up here. Say, come up here. And I will show you, I will show you things which must take place 
after this, and immediately I was in the spirit, and a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Would you stand with me?